Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. How many of you have heard that passage before that James read out loud? Have you heard it before? Some of you are holding out on me, I think. When I do this, this is, uh, this is a mirroring behavior. If you're able to say, oh yeah, I have, then, I, then raise your hand too so I can see it. You've heard this passage before? Great. All right, good. Thank you. It helps me. It helps me because um, I can't read your minds. So it's a simple passage in some respects. The whole passage can be boiled down uh, into three simple lines. If we put that next up, I put them in yellow. It really is the structure of the entire passage. You are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Just two statements that are true. And then one command. Let your light shine. And that's really all there is to it. It's a, it's a straightforward passage, which is really cool. And because it's so straightforward... It's, it's been uh, talked about a lot, it, it's preached, it's taught, and it really can be presented in kind of a standalone way. Because this little section makes sense on its own, doesn't it? And we, we love the word picture of it, and we can understand it. You are the salt of the earth, you know? Um, be salty, salt is a preservative, salt is a seasoning, and so when we bring Christ with us into our life, we... We preserve the good around us. We make Jesus interesting to the world around us. And the passage also describes how you're the light of the world. Lights shine into dark places to to light it up. Um, Whether that light is to expose something that shouldn't be there and needs to be corrected, or the light is shined in to to bring help and aid, Um, it makes sense to us. To think about it that way. It's pretty easy to understand. So, of course, I brought a salt shaker this morning. I was just thinking about, like, the salt of the earth and the salt shaker. And I remembered back, you know, in the cafeteria, we would take the lid off. I say we, other people would do this. I wouldn't do this. We would take the lid off, and then you put a little piece of, of like, napkin in there, and then you put pepper on the top and close it up. So when people try to, you know, get the salt, something else comes out. Um, And I thought, you know, I I, I so often feel like that in the world. I go to uh, shake out some good salt. I go to to be a good witness, but sometimes I feel like a contaminated salt shaker. Would God really use me? Could God really use me to salt the earth? Or I think about my flashlight. I'm just nerdy enough to really enjoy good bright flashlights. You see that? What if I put that right on the people watching online? Right there. I, I love a good flashlight, but I think about some of the flashlights I've had, you know, they, I tend to keep my stuff for a long time and, and they work when I go like this about every three minutes, right? To get the connection in there. Sometimes I feel like one of my old flashlights as well. Like, is, it, is there really stuff in here that, can, can I really shine the light into the world in an effective way? You know, the, the word picture of this passage makes sense on its own. But I want to take a few moments and bring us back to the, the broader context, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, how many of you are making some attempts at reading the Sermon on the Mount throughout the week? There you go. There you go. Good, good. 
Yeah, um, I'm working at it, trying to do, uh, read it through twice a week. It's just one chapter a day, and you get a day off. It's pretty easy to do that. I read it uh, two weeks ago in the NLT, New Living Translation. Last week, I read it in the ESV. Um, this week, if you want a challenge to really help it like come alive for you, I would challenge you to read, do your, your reading, your chapter, out loud. Pick whatever translation you want, but read it out loud. So you can read it to each other, read it to your kids, or just read it out loud. When you read it out loud, it, you begin to hear things that you didn't see. Believe me, it'll be there. It's, it's pretty cool. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize that those pieces fit together. And it'll help you understand that this is one whole thing. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's one sermon from Jesus. And it's designed to flow together as one thing. So, so give that a shot this week. See if you can do your reading out loud. And you begin to see this little salt and light passage is tucked inside of a context. Why is it there? What is its purpose? How does it relate to what comes before it? And what comes after it? The Sermon on the Mount begins, as you'll remember, with the Beatitudes. As Jesus comes and lives in us, and we live in him and in his kingdom, he brings us to, he, he causes us to become remarkably different in, in every way. And in the first part of it, it describes the attitudes of the heart, which will find drive all of the rest of the applications in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. It's these attitudes of the heart, the way we think and feel about God and the world around us. And as God changes us, we become poor in spirit. We become people who mourn more easily and more deeply. Right, a, a new tender heart will mourn in this world. We become people who are meek, like Jesus. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're people who show mercy. We want to be peacemakers to bring healing around us. We want to be able to endure persecution in ways that's different. And God is pleased, not just in the things that we do. He is pleased with what happens in our hearts when Christ lives in us. It brings him joy. It brings him pleasure. He blesses those who are becoming more like Jesus from the inside out. And so this Sermon on the Mount kind of creates a little bit of this cycle we have cycles in the Old Testament. We see one where, uh, at least I see in the Sermon on the Mount, the cycle where, like, it, it's, it's tough. It'll expose sin. I don't think I've read a chapter yet on any given day where I didn't get halfway through the chapter and have to pause to confess some sin to the Lord. I'm not measuring up here. This is beyond me. It causes that reaction in us. But then it leads us to do what Jesus said right before this. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. 
We turn back to him. It's this call to say, yep, I'm still dealing with sin in my life, God, but would you forgive me and bring me back? I want to change. And then there's instructions to bring it back around. Okay, yes, I forgive you. Be with me. And here's how to live out faith in Christ. And as we go through that cycle, it actually becomes more like a drill. It drills down into our hearts. And this is part of how we come to have Christ dwelling within us. It's pretty cool. And even though it's about our sin being exposed and our repentance, it's, it's a thing that's covered in grace as we grow in our faith. Jesus is helping us to experience life with Christ in our hearts. Not just calling us to comply with certain behaviors. Like maybe you were raised in a, in a Christian environment where it was behavioral expectations. Whether the heart was there or not. And we can do that as parents too. And yet Jesus starts with the heart. And then the behavior is what follows naturally when we get Christ right inside and grow closer to him. He changes us from the inside out. So right after he presents these attitudes of Christ in us, he rolls into this little passage about salt and light. It's a description of, of something happening in us. I think it goes beyond just let people see you do good deeds. That's part of it. He mentions it. But it goes into the character of Christ being seen by the people around us. That's the salt and the light in us. You are the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. Back in their day, they didn't have refrigerators, so meat would go bad right away. You'd either have to rub salt on it or soak it in salt brine water to preserve it, and then it would last a lot longer. They didn't have all the wonderful, joyful chemicals that we douse ourselves with to preserve our food and put in our bodies. Poor people. Um, but the world around us is like that. It's, it's like in a constant decay of sin. Doesn't take much to see it. And then God saves you and puts you in a place where there's a decaying of sin in your neighborhood, in your extended family, in your workplace, partly to help preserve the world from the decay of sin. But it's more than just uh, it's more than just saying, hey, that's wrong, and I'm going to stand up and fight for what's wrong. It's your character being like Christ, right? So some new law gets passed, and people in your circle are angry about it. They're angry. They want to go in there and, and, and fight for what's right, fight for their moral values, and yet you look at it, and your response is to mourn. It's very different. And you say, I mourn, I'm sad because people will be hurt by this law. It's a different perspective. Or there's someone uh, who does something foolish and everybody wants to speak judgment on them or get on Twitter and post their judgments about them. We're so quick to do that in society today. And your response is to show mercy. 
is totally different. That's what Christ does in us. We show mercy where everyone else is showing judgment without mercy. Or there's someone who uh, everybody wants to take revenge against someone. And your response is to say, let's pray for them. We pray for our enemies. Let's find ways to bless them. That's Christ in you. That's the salt of the earth. If you take your Christianity and you just want to grab it to be morally right and to be angry at the world, you're just rubbing salt in the wounds of the people around you. There's no healing. There's no hope. But when, when the, the Beatitudes are seen and come out through you, now you're different. And now I, th- I think you're making an influence in the world. Salt, uh, of course, it's a seasoning. Um, so we have to be engaged with people. We have to actually be out there. We can't be hiding. I have, I have seasonings in the cupboard that I don't use. They do no good. Might as well throw them away. God didn't call us to hide from the world. He called us to be engaged. And salt is also something that makes people thirsty. I've seen people come to Christ because they met someone who was going through a battle with cancer. And they went through that battle with cancer with joy and contentment and with love and care for other people. Basically, they were exhibiting the Beatitudes during a time that was really difficult. And it became so attractive. I've seen that many times. Wherever God places you, when you walk with Jesus in your heart, people will notice. And they'll say, you're different. I'm thirsty for that. I want to know more about that. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your light out... Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This passage also talks about the light in the world. Hey, speaking of light, can these stage lights come up just a tiny bit more? I wonder if they got turned down a little bit. Maybe they're up all the way. I need the light of the world so I can see. Yeah, yeah. I'm old. There we go. That'll help. If not, we're good. Thank you. You know, one of the things that, the reason I have a flashlight that's obnoxiously bright isn't just because I'm nerdy, but it's, I could pull this out of a drawer where it's been sitting for um, 15 months since I got it. I got it for Christmas like over a year ago. And it, it still works because I don't use it very often. Do you know why I don't use it very often? Because I don't need it. Sometimes that's true. Why don't, what do you think? Why don't I use this very often? Yeah, I want to save the batteries. I'm a cheapskate at heart. And the last thing I'm going to do, oh, i got to go buy batteries at the store. I hate that. I don't want to buy batteries, so I never use my light. So I always have a good light, but I never use my light. It's kind of a dumb thing, right? 
in my life sometimes, I measure like, how much battery do I have to give the people around me? And sometimes I kind of withhold that and I gauge my ability to shine the light based on me and what's inside of me. I think it's more appropriate, more biblical to think of you are the light of the world. Think of it in terms of being a mirror. I'm not the source of the light. I'm just reflecting the light of Christ in the world around me. So I don't have to worry about it running out or growing dim. I just have to worry about keeping myself oriented toward Jesus so that the light is reflecting off of me into the world. If I'm not paying attention to Jesus, I'm not shining the light in the world. Or if I'm covered with dirt and I'm not staying clean. But if I'm staying focused on Jesus and being washed in his word, then God will shine through me. And he'll reflect his light in the world around me. We see this little pattern. I've got a few verses up here that just kind of show this theme of the light of the world in Scripture. Um, in John 9, 5, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He says, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Jesus came and brought the light of God to the earth. And then in John eight twelve, Jesus spoke again to his people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We follow Christ, we dwell in Christ, we connect to him, and now we have the light of Christ in us. And then in Ephesians 5, 8, he says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For us to forget Jesus as the source of our light is kind of silly, and we will run out. But when we reconnect with him and we allow God to shine through, then he does incredible things in shining his light into the world. So as you reflect on this this week, your challenge is to remember that the salt of the earth, the light of the world, it's seen in what we do. They will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But it's more, it's way deeper than that. That's the surface. Underneath, it's the changed attitudes that Christ brings in us that shine through into the world. I think the world is tired of seeing Christians show up and do good deeds with bad attitudes. How, how often is that the case? Yep, they came over and helped, but they grumbled the whole time. Or they came over and helped, but complained about this or that. Or what if we, were, what if we didn't worry so much about doing the right things but being the right people, having the right heart connected to God, and just finding ways to let people see Christ in us. I think our light would shine brighter, and we would salt the earth even more. This morning, we're going to pause, and we're going to take communion together as a church family. This is a time, really, to just take wherever you're at in the reality of your life and give it to the Lord with open hands and refocus yourself on Christ. Specifically, to refocus yourself on the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus.
The bread that we'll eat represents his body that was broken for us. And the blood represents, the, the juice represents the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. And payment of our sin. To wash us clean forever. So that we could be filled with the life of Christ. We become one with him in his death so that we can become one with him in his life. So this morning, worship team is going to come on up, and uh, I'm going to say a prayer. And while they play their first song, um, take that time, that song, however it works for you, um, to to have some time in prayer. Examine your own heart. Give yourself back to Jesus again. Repent if you need to. During that song, come on up and, and take a piece of bread. There's a gluten-free option, and then there's the regular bread and, and drink. And take it back to your seat and take communion together as a church family. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us your son, Jesus, for giving us his spirit to continue to live in us, and for giving us this, this communion time so that we can just come back together and remember Jesus and that all the good things in us are really the image of God in us being restored by Christ. Help us, Lord, to become more and more like Jesus in our hearts. We want to be changed from the inside out so that we too can be remarkably different for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.